Welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast. One of the best podcasts coming out of Muncie. Probably the best. We'll just say it's the best. Just because, you know, we, we want to promote our show. But uh, thanks for tuning in anyways. Uh, this is Weekend Prep, episode number eight. Sam, we're at week eight in the NFL, the halfway mark after this season. I'm sure next week we'll talk about midseason awards, who we predict to go all the way from here. But we're almost midway. We only got one undefeated team left. That's the Steelers. They got a big game against the Ravens. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to NFL conversation. We're going to get to college football conversation, IU, uh, with really a must win against Rutgers. I'll explain why. Wisconsin and Nebraska has been canceled. Mac football returns in less than a week. Um, literally a lot going on today that we're going to get to. We've had a lot of storylines, some more COVID in the NFL. We'll get to our locks of the week um, and discuss those a little bit later on in the show. And we'll also um, talk about some big games that we have coming up this week in the NFL. That's all coming up on Weekend Prep. Thanks for tuning in, Sam. How's your Thursday afternoon been? Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I got a chance to watch uh, Mike New's press conference, and it seemed like the shortest press conference I've ever been a part of. I think it was only like five to six minutes long, which is weird considering the Central Michigan coach went over the time. So I don't know what the deal was that, but it was just like interesting that like the press conference, it was scheduled for like 10 minutes, and we couldn't even get 10 minutes of content. Hey, How that? short and sweet. They got games to win. You know, you can't be messing around with press conferences. Mike New is focused. They're all in on Ball State football. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about the return of the MAC and what that's going to look like. They've released some more guidance um, on that front, so we'll get to that. Um, Sam, let's, let's start with some baseball conversation. And this isn't a baseball podcast mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. It, it never has been. Um, but... I'm sure you have tuned into a little bit of the World Series. I know I have. Just because it's playoffs, I enjoy watching playoff baseball. Um, but the main thing I want to get to is it's not surrounding the – well, it is surrounding baseball, but it's not surrounding necessarily the game itself. Um, Justin Turner, third baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers, somehow like his test result like i don't know if his his test came back positive and they're like oh it's a false positive go ahead and play he played then he got pulled mid-game told him to go sit in a room and then he came back out and celebrated with the team after the win i'll I'll ask you this question first and i'll give my opinion are you okay with him coming out of the locker room to celebrate with his team after they just won the world series um, I think it, I think this is uh, more uh, this is more a gray area than it is a just straight black and white answer because it's simple. It's the you win a world championship, you want to celebrate your success, you want to celebrate your um, accomplishment. They've gone through sixty regular season games, made to the World Series, and finally won the finally won it after several years of not doing it and you want to you want to be out there celebrating with your teammates that's what you put all this hard work in for not just the ring not just uh calling yourself world champions but the celebration factor and like he did like it would like I i would feel super bad if he was just like Everybody else is celebrating, and you're basically like the kid indoors during recess, watching everybody else have fun. And 
I think I think it would be a lot more dangerous. I don't know whether any if they've done any more tests on the players after this game, whether he infected other things. I think it would be a bigger deal if other players came back positive. But as of right now, I think you just let the dude have fun. He, I don't think the Dodgers have any had any other COVID um, protocol breaks or whatever breaks in the rules or whatever. I, th- I think you just give him a break on this one. Yeah, I 110% agree with that. Um, the li- the likelihood of it being a false positive is actually very high. I mean, we've seen this in sports. There's been several false positives. Now, there hasn't been more false positives than actual positives, but still, that risk for a false positive is still pretty high. Um I 100% agree with Turner coming out of locker room to celebrate. Like you said, they just won the World Series. They played, what, 60 games in 65 days? It, it was crazy. The regular season was like 60 games in 70 days or, or something like that. It was it was absolutely insane. And then you go right into the grind of the playoffs. They've been in a bubble for more than a month. I don't really know how he gets it, like you said, unless he violated the rules. But you think if he did, something would have been said and he would have been um, you know, disqualified or whatever. Um, so I 100, 100% agree with it. If the test comes back as a, as a false positive, are we going to hear about it from the sports media? Honestly, I don't know because the sports media is so caught up in it right now of wanting to, to cancel games and wanting to to make seasons not happen that, I don't know, I honestly don't know if they would report on it. I mean, I, I think there's some gray area on what sports reporters have been reporting on this season and it's kind of it's kind of skeptical to me so I I don't I'm sure we'll find out one way or the other if it was a false positive I'm sure the Dodgers will want to make that known but if he's in they've been in a bubble how I mean how does he get it I don't know it's the last game I mean they won it all they're not I mean they're not doing anything after so the players if you did infect other players they have time to go home and, and quarantine and, and and stuff like that. So honestly, to me, it's not as a big deal as the sports media loves to make it out to be. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. All right, let's move on. I wanted to keep that short and sweet just because I know it's been a, a very debated topic amongst um, you know the Twitter universe and things of that nature. But uh, let's get into some college football because we are a mainly football show. It's what we love to discuss on this show. College football, we've got the Big Ten. I mean, they, they came back last weekend, and it was a fantastic weekend of Big Ten football. I thought it was phenomenal. You obviously had the IU win over Penn State. Purdue beats Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin beats Illinois, and then their quarterback test positive. We're going to talk all, all that. But, Sam, I want to start with Indiana. This weekend at Rutgers, it is a must-win for the Hoosiers, right? I mean, it is. I mean, it is in the sense that if they, like uh, I talked about last episode or the previous episode before that, if they want to be considered contenders, you have to continue to win games. And against the Rutgers, who I would say we tend to place them towards the bottom of the, the totem pole in the Big Ten, are coming off a big win against Michigan State that I think a lot of people were shocked by where they won by double digits and won on the way they did it, 38-27. I think it's that if you want to be placed in the kind of upper tier, not the Ohio State levels, but sort of the Iowa's, the Wisconsin sort of level, you have to keep winning this season because I think this is Tom Allen's prove how good this I use team in this weird schedule. You've you've got you've got the talent, I think, to do so. However, will they get it done? Maybe, maybe not. But I think if you want to be considered 
uh, sort of the top of that division, you got to get it done. And that was exactly my point that I was trying to make there, Sam, was that it is a – I hate using the term must win at week two in the season, but it is essentially a must win if you want to be considered, like you said, at that top half, that top tier in the Big Ten. It is essentially a must win for IU. Is it going to destroy their season if they lose? No. But does it take some, um, you know, some, you know, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but does it take some, some of that uh, celebration, some of that hype off the win against Penn State? I think it does. I think it does, um, in a sense that you know you beat Penn State, but you can't beat Rutgers. I think there's some, you know, there's going to be some conversation uh, surrounding that if if that was to happen. I don't think it will happen. I think I, I I think they come out and I think they blow the doors off of Rutgers. They've handled their number the past several years. Yes, Rutgers got their first conference win, but I think they blow I think they blow the doors off Rutgers. They've dominated them in the past. I think IU's offense is playing really, really well. I think they're going to bounce back off of it. I listened to a Sports Center interview with Tom Allen, um, you know, a couple minutes before we did the show here today, Sam, and he was very confident in this team. He said that their one word that they used for this week was focus. He says we we try not to get caught up in all the negative, uh, you know, all the negative media and all the negative. Um, words that have been said around the program when we're down he says we do the same thing when we're up right now we try not to let our minds wander and 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 look at all of this great you know celebration that we had essentially he said we we just want to focus on the next week i think i think tom allen he definitely knows that and i think he's going to instill that in this team i think iu goes into rutgers this weekend and blows the doors off of the scarlet knights I will say I think Michael Penix needs to prove himself. I, I'm a big supporter of him. You know this. I, I like Michael Penix and the talent he has. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Got a lot of um, a ball left unless he, for some reason, which I don't imagine, declares for the next NFL draft. I don't see that happening. 170 yards, a touchdown pick, 19 for 36. And then the top rusher in Stevie Scott was 20 carries, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. And this is against a tough – Penn State team, but I think you're going to need to prove yourself against Rutgers, and I think you're going to want to head into Michigan with a dominant win. A uh, head into Michigan State with the uh, the following game after Michigan, just building momentum. And I think to do that, it starts with the offensive side of the ball. It starts with Michael Penix being that leader that I think he can be. And if they can get it done against Rutgers handily, I think this will build confidence and. Maybe they can even test Michigan the following week. Yeah, I mean, Michigan comes to Bloomington, so that, that's a big advantage there. Uh, Michigan plays Michigan State in the battle for the state uh, of Michigan this weekend. So, yeah, like you mentioned, if they can get a, a big confidence-boosting win, if Penn State wasn't enough of a confidence-boosting win against Rutgers, uh, and then you take on Michigan. This could be this could be uh, real dangerous for the Wolverines. I think you know it's a saying. You know it's very cliche to be the best. You got to beat the best. And and IU knows that they've been very close the past couple of years and haven't been able to get it done. Uh, they've got a very tough schedule in the Big Ten. But I think it's going to be exciting to watch this team uh, and how they grow and develop. On the other side of the state. You go to Purdue. They visit Illinois after a big win against Iowa. Uh, Purdue, I think, surprised a little bit of people last week. We talked about it on Monday uh, with their win over Iowa. But now Illinois, who got their doors blown off by Wisconsin, 
it's going to be another a good opportunity for Purdue, just like IU, to have a good follow-up week. Yeah, no doubt. Illinois struggling coming off that week, which they just got absolutely torched by that uh, redshirt, uh, by the true freshman Graham, Graham Mertz, who uh, unfortunately will be out for the next three weeks uh, because he tested positive, which we won't be able to see how truly good he is. Illinois only put up 200 yards against um, Wisconsin. Purdue's kind of feeling themselves after that kind of upset victory against Iowa. I think if Purdue, again, like IU, is in the same boat, they want to, they've been seen as kind of the lower, lesser totem like Rutgers, like the, the Marylands of the Big Ten. They want to prove themselves. They got to get it done. I think they should be able to ha- handle business against Illinois. Yeah, I think, I think they should as well. Let's get to a game that's not going to happen this weekend Wisconsin and Nebraska. Wisconsin quarterback tested positive for COVID-19. And, and Big Ten, the Big Ten came out before the season and said, any game that is not played due to COVID cancellations will be ruled a no contest. The Big Ten left themselves eight games in eight weeks to, to get this thing done and no wiggle room for COVID. Now it's going to be ruled as a no contest. Nebraska made an appeal in a statement wanting to play Chattanooga. This week, Chattanooga is an FCS school. Uh, and they want, aren't having a season this this year. But if you if you remember back in August when the FCS canceled, Chattanooga came out and said, "Hit hit us up. We want to play. You know, just let us know, and we'll 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 figure something out." The Big Ten said no to that. Should the Big Ten have made a extra week, a bye week, somewhere in there to make up these games that are getting uh, that have been canceled, like Wisconsin, Nebraska, and that are going to get canceled in future weeks? I mean, they should, but. They're not going to. And I think that's the matter of fact. I, I believe Max doing the same thing, six games in six weeks. So at the at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter should or shouldn't they because the Big Ten made up their mind. They were very clear. They're like, hey, we're not making up games. We're going to declare this no contest, and then we'll figure out, um, let's, let's say Wisconsin um, and um, Michigan are like uh, tied for the, the division title. They'll, they'll have to figure it out whether or not it's right, whether or not it's fair. It's 2020. Like, it's it's not fair, but it's it's reality. It's what they have to deal with. It's what the Big Ten wanted. The the teams knew this going into the season. They wanted to play, and this is just a just kind of a fallout from yeah, it. Yeah, I just think it's kind of ridiculous that the Big Ten, after they said no, no, not playing, and then the presidents kind of pushed the commissioner to consider it, and then ultimately it comes back. I just think it is kind of, I mean, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous for the conference to think that they can run a season and not have any positive tests. Now, yes, you put these protocols in place. There is mask wearing. There is distancing at, at practice. And there's all these sanitization, whatever. There's all these practices. But the reality is we know this, Sam. I mean, we're here at a university, and we follow very strict rules, regulations. I mean, we do pretty much everything that is asked of us to re- reduce our risk of getting the virus. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we've done that. There's not a lot There's not a lot of cases, but the fact is there still is cases, and there still are cases. I just think the Big Ten should have realized that and said, hey, this is a virus that we, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And they should have realized that. They should have said, okay, we're going to have an extra week here to make up games. But like you mentioned, it could come down to if Wisconsin somehow goes, um, you know, and they win the rest of their games or, you know, are, are tied 
with another team that has played all of their games, what are they going to do in terms of who gets to play in that conference championship game? I think will be very interesting to, to see and find out. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think this just adds to – I think I think 20 this just sums up the year 2020 the all the chaos that has gone on from top to bottom this this just adds to it because it, it's I like it, it's so hard for like us I think it's us to criticize the like the um, commissioner and all this when like I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes I wouldn't want to be making these tough decisions like we'll touch on the max schools and what they um, uh, what the commissioner talked about, how to qualify for a conference championship, whatnot. Like, like this is just the reality of what we live in. And personally, I don't know about you, Grant, but I would not want to be Beth Getz sitting in that athletic director's shoes. I would not want to be John Steinbrecher, like, making procedures and whatnot. It just seems like not, I don't feel like there's a true a win-win solution coming coming out of this year, if, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying on the front of – getting all the games in on the front of making sure you have the right teams playing for the conference championship. I, I think, and and let's go ahead and talk about this. Um, we'll see what the Big Ten does, but the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, who came back after the Big Ten, they're playing six games, and the, the commissioner said today, they released a statement saying that football schools, they must play at least three games to be, to, to be eligible for the conference championship rather than all six. So that brings up the question we were talking about before the podcast, Sam. What is going to happen if you have a 4-0 team and a 5-1 team? Who's going to get a play in that conference championship? And like you just mentioned, I would hate to be John Steinbrecher, Beth Getz, or all the, you know any of the other athletic directors in the MAC that have to essentially come up with these new plans, procedures, and rules even to figure out how this is going to happen. In my opinion, what they'll probably do is go off win percentage. Yeah. I mean, if a team goes 4-0 and you have a 5-1 team, that 4-0 team will probably play for the conference championship. And that 5-1 team is probably, probably going to um, to not be happy about that. But mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully all teams get to play all six games. But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. I mean, I mean, it's it's probably it probably wouldn't if we have to get to the point. Nobody's going to be happy with the end result. Whether it's uh, let's say the four zero and five one one example, the five one one team isn't going to be happy. The four zero team makes it, but the four zero team isn't going to be happy because they went undefeated in their four games, and the five and one team made it. So again, like I said, I think it just goes back to a point. I don't think there's a solution in this uh, year, this world, where it makes everybody happy, and that's unfortunate, where we just can't play 12 games and everything be back normal, but that's not But that's not the world we live in. It's not. It's not. It's going to be interesting uh, to find out. Notre Dame playing Georgia Tech this weekend, a game to watch, but, you know, a game before they play Clemson. Notre Dame plays Clemson a week from Saturday. Alabama, Mississippi State. Uh, you have Mike Leach uh, in Mississippi State going to visit Alabama. Uh, does Mississippi State have a shot in this game? I mean, we, we saw them shock LSU. They're not doing too bad this season. Do they have a shot against the the Crimson Tide? I don't. I don't think so. Honestly, like as good as good as um, Mississippi State uh, started out again, like you mentioned the LSU victory. 
But just everything after that, you, you look at the 7-point loss to Arkansas, the 22-point loss to Kentucky, the 14-point loss to Texas A&M. I, I believe they're, they, um, Mike Leach is in his first year there. I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll lead that program to success down the road. I don't think this is the year you do it. Nick Saban, even with the tough tests that he faced with Ole Miss and uh, Lane Kiffin, he still managed to power through. And I, I don't think this is the year for Mississippi State uh, to kind of shock the world. They do have a uh, a pretty great quarterback in, I think, in K.J. Costello, but I don't think he's going to do enough to get them the win. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think Alabama was a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Um, so we'll definitely have to keep an eye on them. Let's move to some NFL conversation, Sam. Steelers-Ravens, it's going to be a good matchup. Everybody knows that just because of the nature of the two teams. It's actually an historic matchup. It's the first time in the Super Bowl era that the two, that two head coaches have played each other 25 times in the regular season. Now, you wouldn't expect that because Mike Tomlin, I mean, he's a pretty young coach. Um in, in when you look at coaches across the league, I mean, he obviously got the job very young. He's a pretty young coach. Uh, and then John Harbaugh with the Ravens, they played each other 25 times in the regular season. I think this game is going to be a very, very good good game to watch. Oh, no, oh, no doubt. I think the Ravens are going to try to prove themselves. They had that. They're kind of one, I would say, excellent game against the Chiefs that would prove themselves to be contenders this season didn't go exactly how they want it and now they got a test with the Steelers who have had some close games in the past haven't really been able to put away teams when it matters most they're coming in feeling pretty good about themselves 6-0 the only undefeated team I feel like the Ravens are gonna gonna try to just like punch the Steelers in the mouth and just try to dominate this game the Steelers have not won a game against the Ravens since 2018 they played twice last year the Ravens uh, beat them by three in overtime in the regular season and then beat them again in the playoffs. Um, but when you look back, um, the Ravens really have kind of dominated the, the Steelers. I don't want to say dominated, but they've been um, they've played very well against the Steelers. Like you said, I think that it's going to be an opportunity for the Ravens to come out and kind of punch them in the mouth. Um, and the Steelers lead the series 28 to four, 28 to 24. Um, but w- w- the most impressive stat to me, and I, I think this game is going to be very close. I think Big Big Ben has a lot to prove. So does Lamar Jackson. The most impressive thing to me is when you look at this series overall and the points scored, total points scored. Pittsburgh has 1,062 total points scored across the series that began in 1996, and the Ravens have. 1,035. So it's only separated by, what is that? I mean, 30, 30, 27. Yeah, 27. So, yeah, quick math. We're, we're good at math, Sam. That's, we're that's why we do this podcast. But Yeah, I, I think this game is going to be high scoring. Um, you're going to see a lot of offense in this game. I, I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. What, looking at all the Steelers' win, like uh, games in general, they've scored at least 20 or more in all single one of their games. Of course, we know about Lamar Jackson, the dominance he has. I'm expecting, I don't know, it could go both either way. I feel like when we have high expectations for a high-scoring game, it never turns out to be like the, uh, what was the game? It was, I forget which game it was. It was two high-powered offenses, and then it was just a dud this season. Well, I'm forgetting, but anyway, the point is, 
I think it could go either way. It's either going to be really high scoring or really low scoring this game. Yeah, I, I I can see that. You know, like you said, when we have expectations for games, sometimes it goes the other way. Um, Tua debut. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa for the Dolphins. They Miami decided to pull the plug two weeks ago or a week ago, and then the Dolphins were on by last week. So I guess it was two weeks ago. They decided to pull the plug on Ryan Patrick. What are you expecting to see out of Tua? I think. His expectations are way higher now that you bench Fitzpatrick after going 3-3. Three and three. You're still in contention for the division. I think Tua's expectations have been raised significantly compared to, you know, if they were 1-3. and three. Yeah, I, I hope he can play up to his expectation level because I think people are expecting him to come out and just dominate. However... There's a reason why I'm I I like many others picked up the Rams defense this week. I think we need to we need to see it out of them. They they obviously see what they liked out of them in practices through these six or seven weeks with the bye, so seven weeks. So hopefully you can live up to them. Otherwise, it's going to look really bad on your front office and or really your head coach for benching a guy who would basically be leading the NFC East if the Dolphins were then in the NFC East or in the AFC East. They're only second. Not bad at all for the Dolphins. But hopefully he can live up to expectations. But who, who knows? Yeah, who knows? I even said on Weekend Prep last week, I said that uh, it's going to be harder now for the Dolphins to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick because now you create some confusion on who do you actually want to be your quarterback because – you, you you bench Fitzpatrick for a guy you drafted in Tua who you obviously thought at the beginning of the season was not ready for the NFL. So he sits behind him for six weeks. Now you say he's ready, so you put him in there. And if he sucks and they lose two games, do you put Fitzpatrick back in there? Now you confuse the heck out of Tua because he doesn't know, okay, wh- what is my role on this team? Is it going to be my job next year? Do I need to get out of here? I, I think it's, it would create more confusion than, than help for the Dolphins if they were to put Fitzpatrick back in there. That's why I think if they decide to go with Tua, you got to stick it out. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you do. You can't have another situation where it was the Bucks and Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, where Fitzpatrick came in for Winston. He, he had a um, strong start and then kind of dwindled out. You put Winston back in. That's not really good for a franchise. And if you believe this guy is the future – you take you take his faults with his successes and you write him out. And if he goes, if he only gets you one win, then that's just what it's going to be. If he gets you five wins, then that's how it will be. But at the end of the day, you expect this guy to be the future. I don't think they're expecting to be in win now mode right now. So I think you just got to write him out to the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Patriots Bills this weekend. They'll be without Julian Edelman. Is this a must-win for the Bills? I mean, you're five and two. You dropped two games to AFC opponents, the Titans and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. You, you beat the Jets by not scoring a touchdown somehow. Is this a must-win game for the Bills if they want to stay one alive in the AFC East and two alive in the AFC overall? I will say so, considering the fact that the Patriots have had many struggles this season. They had a strong showing against the Seahawks, and then it's in the Raiders, and then it's just kind of dwindled it. After that, you lose three straight. The Chiefs, of course, your most teams are going to lose to the Chiefs. But then you have a six-point loss to the Broncos where the Broncos didn't even have to score a touchdown to win the game. And then you lose 27 to the 49ers. You're going to be without 
the Patriots are going to be without Edelman. So I think the Bills, to separate themselves from the rest of the AFC East, have to win this game. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. Um, especially the AFC East base might be a little closer than, than people are, are thinking. Uh, some other games across the league this week. The Colts return uh, to play at Lions. The Lions, who, who got a win over the Falcons last week. What are you expecting to see out of the Colts coming out of the bye week? I'm expecting some fresh legs, honestly. I think this is a nice time for the Colts to just kind of root, just kind of reboot themselves. They had a close one against the Bengals where they had to come from behind 20, from 21 down. They lost the Browns. They barely beat the Bears. I think this is will be a nice. This was a nice week just to regroup yourself. You're one and two away. You're going into the Lions who are zero and two at home. I think this this buy will help them get some fresh legs, have people back from injury, and just hopefully they can get things rolling against the Lions. Well, it's a big it's a big game. Not only because you don't want to lose coming out of the bye week. That's like calling a timeout at the start of the third quarter. Uh, when you haven't even run a play. I mean, that's essentially, that's what I like to compare it to. But it also sets you up for the next several weeks, which in which after you play the Lions, you go home for the Ravens, at Titans, home for the Packers, home for the Titans again. So it's going to be a tough stretch. And if you don't win this game, you're looking at four and three, staring into the eyes of the Baltimore Ravens. You drop a couple and all of a sudden you find yourself at four and six. So... I think it's a it's a big game for that reason to set you up for success in the next couple of weeks. I also think this is a game that Philip Rivers needs to prove himself essentially because I think this is going to be a game where it's going to be a high scoring game. You got Matthew Stafford and his weapons, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson. Philip Rivers is going to need to prove himself. Seven touchdowns, seven six picks on the year. That's not good numbers. Yes, he has 1,598 yards, which is 19 more than Matthew Stafford's done. But he just hasn't struck, 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 struck me, I guess the word. I can't English today. Struck me as a guy I want to have the have the have have uh, lead the Colts into the playoffs this season. So I think as we're getting into the middle to the end of the season, you mentioned that five-game stretch where it's going to be absolutely brutal for the Colts to get it done. They're going to need all the wins they can, and I think it, it starts with uh, getting it done against the Lions. It definitely does. Sam, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. I actually don't know if it's everyone's favorite segment. I just call it everyone's favorite segment because it's my favorite segment. Mm-hmm. What, what are you looking at this week in terms of our lock it down segment? Take me through uh, who, who you're picking this week. We're 8-6. and six. We're tied because I went 0-2 mm-hmm. last week. I didn't have a good week. You went 1-1. One one. We're tied at 8-6. and six. What are you looking at this weekend for your locks? Man, I'm feeling pretty good about my locks this week. I say that every week, but I'm just going to keep rolling with it. I'm feeling pretty good. Bills minus 3.5 versus Patriots. You can listen to what I said about the Bills. I think it's self-explanatory. Bills just need to get it done. Patriots... Without Julian Edelman, Cam Newton hasn't didn't look the best last week. I feel like the Bills should be able to handle the Patriots at home. And then moving on to the Bengals versus the Titans. Bengals just even their record. I don't I don't feel like this team is what their record shows. They've lost or um, won a, I think every game but one by single digits. I'm rolling with the Bengals plus five and a half versus a Titans team who just seems who just seemed last week in the first half that they were just not playing up to the standard they want. 
they've they've kept it close in every game as well. The only game they didn't was their 26-point uh, game against the Bills. Otherwise, it's all by single digits. I think this is a game that the Bengals can keep close at home. See, I almost took the Titans minus 5.5 in my okay. locks because I like the way the Titans are playing. But then I got to thinking about it, and it was like, okay, Bengals, like you said, they're kind of in the, in the market. They need a win. This would be a good win. And the cover at 5.5 I like because, I mean, that gives you – I mean, that's five points. You, you think, okay, well, it's just, you know, if the Titans win by a touchdown, you lose a bet. But, yeah, but I think the Bengals could cover here. I think – uh, as long as they can contain Derrick Henry, they'll be okay. For my locks on my side of things, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with something that I no, don't normally do. It's probably very risky, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I took the Raiders last week at plus four versus the Bucks, and the Bucks absolutely destroyed him. Now, normally, if I bet on a team and they lose, I'm not gonna bet on them the next week. But I want to do that this week. I'm taking Raiders plus two and a half. At the Browns, they're without OBJ. I think with being without OBJ, it creates, you know, it's not going to be a normal practice week for them. Um, there's going to be just something off. Baker's not going to feel right. I like the Raiders at plus two and a half. And the Raiders really need a win uh, in, in that category. They, they really need a win after getting uh, curb stomped by the Bucks. Then my other lock of the week. You took the Packers last week at minus three and a half, and I really like that pick. I like the Packers again this week at minus seven versus the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers is playing phenomenal. Um, he, he just keeps in, in impressing me each week, so I'm going to take them. They're at Lambeau, too, and uh, the Packers at Lambeau is, seems like free money to me. So that's our locks for the week. Sam, you got anything else before we uh, close out the, the podcast today? Uh, just the shout out to the White Sox for hiring a retirement home person, retirement person for their manager. You know, yes. it's always good to see someone um hiring. Hey, someone take who's care 76. of your take care of your elders. There you go. I mean, you know what? He could have a heart attack before you know the ne- the the start of next season. I hope not. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't wish that on anybody. But it, it was an interesting hire. Mm-hmm. You know, normally. Especially in the NFL, maybe not so much in the MLB, but especially in the NFL. If you don't know what we're talking about, the uh, White Sox hired a 76-year-old dude. What was his name? Tony LaRusso. Yeah, Tony LaRusso, yeah. Hall of Famer guy, great guy. But especially at the NFL, you like that young guy, that young offensive guy, you know, the Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, those coaches that can really kind of give you a boost. Um but in baseball, I guess it's a little different. And the White Sox went with a 76-year-old guy, Tommy Larusa. Best of luck to him. Yeah. But uh, just an interesting hire because, you know, is he really going to want to be a manager in four years? You have to think of it that way. In four years, he's going to be 80 years old. So is he really going to want to still be in baseball at that point? Who knows? Yeah. And and the thing is, like, even like it doesn't even have to be as young as Sean McVay. Like, I think how old is uh, Dusty Baker's also getting up there in age as well? Um, let me look up the manager 71 like it doesn't have to be like Sean McVay I believe he's in his 40s or 50s right it could be someone 50s 60s but to go out there and get someone who's like 76 in the upper uh, upper tier of 70s uh, uh, encroaching on 80 like that that just seems like a risky investment for the franchise very risky it's a bold strategy we'll see how it pays off for him that's it for the podcast today. That's Sam Thillman. I'm Grant Covey. Come back on Monday. We'll have Monday Mayhem. We'll recap the week in the NFL. We'll uh, 
talk some college football. Anything else that happens really over the weekend, we'll talk about it. Follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. Find all the latest episodes. Apple Podcasts, uh, you can find all the latest episodes there if you've missed any. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Grant Covey. Have a, uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday.